0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sully Sports Hub. Today is our Fantasy Football Sleepers episode. This is one that I am regrettably putting out here as if you're in one of the leagues that I'll be playing in this offseason, I think you should just have to turn your volume down for the rest of this episode. You can't steal any of these players. This is private information. But yeah, I am going to give some of my favorite fantasy sleepers. For this upcoming season, I'm going to give two players at each position for quarterback, running back, tight end, and wide receiver. Um, Some of these guys are younger players that I think will break out. Some of them are guys who I just think are undervalued. And then some of them are guys who I think are stepping into much larger roles that they have a really good chance to succeed in. All right, we'll go ahead and get started here. Uh, first, we'll start with quarterbacks, then we'll go running backs, then wide receivers, then tight ends. So the first quarterback sleeper that I, I think you should target this year, and I guess before I jump in, I should define what a sleeper is for those listening. So this is a guy that's usually a little bit more under the radar, a guy that I just think will be very undervalued in drafts, and a guy that if you go after um, close to where he's currently being drafted, I think you'll get some great great return on investment, and I do want to define one uh, term before we start here. Um, You'll hear me say ADP, that stands for average draft position. Basically, that term is telling us uh, where a player is currently being drafted so that we understand um, how he's currently being valued in fantasy football leagues. So, if you hear me say, you know, this guy has the sixth ADP, that means that he is the sixth highest drafted at his respective position. So the first quarterback is Trey Lance. Now, this is a guy who's going to be taking over the San Francisco job this year after Jimmy Garoppolo is likely on his way out. He was the third overall pick a couple years ago. We know the the 49ers gave up three first-round picks to get up to take Lance, so they've invested a lot into this guy. And in the two games he started last year, he had 16 rushing attempts in one game and eight rushing attempts in the other game. And that is the biggest reason why Trey Lance to me is undervalued at this point because he feels like a guy to me where the rushing floor is high enough where if he develops into even a little bit of a passer he has very high upside as a fantasy quarterback and that's the biggest thing to remember with especially the quarterback position is rushing skill just offers so much upside relative to being a pocket passer that it is extremely valuable for a guy even if he may not be the best quarterback if he's a good runner the the fantasy points just start racking up and especially last year we saw this with Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts was a guy last year that I personally was not a big fan of but it it wasn't because of the rushing upside it was because I was concerned that Gardner Minshew was going to have a chance to take the job from him I'm really not concerned about that with Trey Lance this year because. Jimmy Garoppolo has been hurt recently. He's dealing with a rotator cuff issue, so he hasn't been involved in training camp. The Niners have made it pretty clear that he is on the trade block and should be moved. And even if he's not, I still think the Niners have indicated that they want Lance to be their guy this year. And so Garoppolo will likely be on the bench even if he does stay with San Francisco. And so I'm, very, I'm not very concerned with Lance losing his spot. And that was really what held me back from being as high on Hurts last year. But I think this is a very similar guy where you're looking and saying, you know, I'm I'm a little uncertain about his ability to throw the ball well at this point, but the rushing floor is certainly there, and that leads to a higher upside as a quarterback. In the two games he played last year and other snaps that he played for the for the 49ers, he was fifteenth out of forty quarterbacks in touchdown dependency, which means he was about average in terms of how many of his points were coming on touchdowns, and that's a that is encouraging because you know it, it means that last year he wasn't just being used in like a red zone package and racking up touchdowns for fantasy points. Like his uses last year was pretty true to I think how it will be when he is the starting quarterback, and you know the funny thing is with a, with a guy like Lance is. To me, there's two options with him this year. Like, either he's good, like, he's a good passing quarterback and a good running quarterback. And, you know, that's obviously a good outcome because then you're going to have a guy putting up good numbers every week and, um, you know, scoring touchdowns for his offense. Or if he's bad, I feel like he's just going to run all the time. And so that is not a bad outcome for you either because guys that get out and escape the pocket, even when maybe they necessarily shouldn't, in terms of the structure of their real offense, that's still very helpful for a fantasy quarterback. And so I think the the statistical makeup is here. The opportunity is here, but I also just really like Trey Lance as a talent. He had very little experience coming out of college. And I think he's now had a year to develop, taking the offense. And I'm sure that he has evolved a lot as a quarterback in the past year. He's very physically gifted. He, He has a good arm along with his running ability. This is not just a running quarterback. He's a very smart guy. And I think that, his ability to throw is being somewhat underrated at this point. And and who knows, you know, we haven't seen it in a while. So I understand the skepticism, but I don't think this is a Jalen hurts where you're just like, we can't throw over the middle of the field. Like that, that's the issue that the Eagles had last year. And that's, I think one of the main reasons they traded for AJ Brown was to try to develop that part of hurts game. I'm not as concerned with that with Lance. He has the ability to throw missiles, Across the middle of the field and maybe the decision making needs to improve some maybe the accuracy does need to improve as well, but I like his talent and I think that he has the upside where it's certainly worth taking him once you start to get outside of the top 10 quarterbacks this year. I think one strategy in terms of Lance that could be very effective this year is waiting for a quarterback and taking Lance and then pairing him with another quarterback that's a little bit behind him in this range, like a Derek Carr or a Kirk Cousins. Because if you're not as confident in Lance, but you still like the upside with him as a rushing quarterback, then getting a second guy in in a similar draft position, maybe waiting a couple more rounds for for just a stable quarterback, then I think that is a pretty good strategy. It allows you to get some skill positions, running backs, wide receivers, earlier in the draft which is always a valuable thing to do and I mean guys like Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins if you end up having to start them because Lance doesn't have a good year you're still not going to be in a bad spot like those guys are going to give you consistent production so I really like the idea of taking Lance and then pairing him with a safer pick uh, pretty close to that in the draft and who knows maybe with Lance you get a top 10 top 5 upside kind of guy the last thing I'll mention with Lance is last year And there's a stat called fantasy points per touch. And basically that means like every time the guy touches the ball, how much is he contributing from a fantasy points perspective? It was a small sample for him last year, and that certainly has to be acknowledged. But when he played last year, he was second in fantasy points per touch among quarterbacks last year. That shows the type of usage he had in terms of his run in terms of his rushing volume and that the offense was not terrible around him. I know fantasy points are not the best way to evaluate an offense, but that's what we're looking for here. So his con- he contributed at a pretty high rate last year when he was in, and I think that has a great chance to continue in this season. Moving into the other quarterback, now this guy's a little further down the list. This is a guy that you're probably going to be able to grab in the last couple rounds of your drafts. That's Zach Wilson just like Lance, I think this is about the evaluation I have of this guy, but also another factor. So generally, I was a big fan of Wilson coming out of college. Like I really liked his ability to make off platform throws. I thought his arm talent was very rare and put him at least close to the conversation with Trevor Lawrence, even though I did think Lawrence was probably the clear number one pick. I think that upside is still there with them. I still see this guy as a, a guy that fits the modern NFL so well with his ability to throw on the run off platform and make throws that a lot of guys just don't have the ability to make. And he also sees those throws. He, he sees these guys get open. I still think that upside is there. And he did make some jaw dropping throws last year, but he obviously did struggle as well. You know, the decision making wasn't always perfect. The accuracy wasn't great. And he took a beating last year behind a poor offensive line the offensive line I don't think will be great this year but it shouldn't render him useless some of these guys like Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton that they've drafted in the past few drafts I think are starting to come around they're starting to develop I think the offensive line will be better and will at least give him a good chance but the biggest reason why I'm higher on Wilson this year is because the skill positions are completely revitalized Brees Hall was just drafted this year in the second round, which felt like a little bit of an overpay for a running back, but it's going to help. It's going to help Zach Wilson's offense. Michael Carter is still there, a guy that was a rookie last year. And Carter, I think, is a perfect second running back to have in the passing game. He's an undersized guy, but he has that upside coming out of the backfield. But the biggest addition for them this offseason was getting Garrett Wilson in as a number one receiver. And if Wilson can be that guy, I really like how this offense unfolds because Corey Davis, we saw in Tennessee, he excelled as a number two option, a guy that, you know, didn't necessarily have the best corner on him all game, but was talented enough, physical enough to get open one-on-one against a weaker corner. If Davis can play that role and Wilson can take the number one option, along with having Elijah Moore in the slot, who might be the most explosive player out of all these guys and maybe the most effective in this year and C.J. Uzoma from the Bengals at tight end, this offense has the potential to be very exciting and explosive for Zach Wilson uh, in his second year as a quarterback. And Michael at an offensive coordinator, you know this is a guy that comes from the Shanahan tree. They try to make it easier on these young quarterbacks and not have as much to worry about. And I, I think that Zach Wilson will be put in a situation to succeed at least much more than he has in previous years. This is obviously very different from the Trey Lance pick. Wilson is coming in at 24th ADP. So, you know, if you're in a 12-team league, this is a guy you're going to be taking like very late, assuming that everybody is taking two quarterbacks. Like, you could wait an extremely long time to take him. But because of that, it's very low risk at this point. Because with Lance, you know, if you're taking him, you are taking him over a quarterback that is going to be solid for you, whether it's Rodgers or Brady or whoever. Wilson... I mean, you're taking him over maybe like Jameis Winston, maybe Matt Ryan or Ryan Tannehill. Uh, maybe you like him over like Justin Fields or one of those other rookies. So if if it doesn't work out with Wilson, you just go take another chance on a guy on waivers after a couple of weeks and you're going to be fine. There, there will always be at least a couple quarterbacks available early in the season for you to go pick up. And so I, I definitely would want a guy that I'm a little more certain on as a starter, if you're taking the swing on Wilson, like I would like to have maybe one of those top seven or eight quarterbacks so that Wilson is a little more of a flyer than a guy I'm depending on because there is a chance, you know, it's his second year. There's a chance Wilson's just not very good, you know, and Wilson doesn't have the same rushing upside that Lance does. But I do think it's a great investment towards the end of the draft, especially if you have a quarterback that you trust and has a higher floor, because I I think there's a chance that we look back after this year and Wilson ends up being a top 15, maybe even a top 10 fantasy quarterback. All right, moving into the running backs now. So this first one, I was very surprised when I saw where this guy was being ranked coming into this year, and that is Cordero Patterson. I don't get this one, to be honest with you. I mean, Patterson is a little bit older last year, or or coming into this year. You know, he's on the older side for running backs, and that's definitely a little bit of a concern, but he's going about 30th right now in terms of ADP, and that just does not match up with the statistical profile that this guy has had when he is a lead running back. And I also think that the age thing is a little bit overstated because he was not a guy that's played running back for eight or nine years. This is a guy that has recently converted to being a full-time running back. So that same wear and tear should not be on him compared to other guys. And so, yeah, he's a bit older, but I also think the usage is different with him. And we have to compare that when we're looking at the wear and tear that a veteran might have on his body. Last year, he finished 13th in significant points per game among running backs last year. Basically, that is just taking the games in which he actually played a full game. So, you know, if a guy gets injured, it doesn't factor into his significant points per game. So he finished 13th among running backs last year. 11 of the 12 guys ahead of him on that list are being taken in the top 14 this year. The only guy ahead of Patterson that's not being taken in the top 14 running backs is Elijah Mitchell. And he had a small sample size last year due to injury. And obviously, he's also in the Shanahan system. Based on production, Patterson should be going significantly higher. And it's not like Patterson had some other running back come in this offseason that's definitely going to take his spot. Like It's Tyler Algier and Damian Williams behind him. This is not a murderer's row of running backs. Patterson is clearly the best option here. And The Falcons have said that they don't want to run Patterson into the ground like they did last year, and he certainly was being used a lot early in the season. I mean, he was basically a wide receiver and a running back early in the year, but I don't think that the Falcons coming out and saying that is necessarily a bad thing because hopefully you want your guys to be peaking as playoff time comes around for fantasy, and that's towards the end of the regular season, so if they're going to manage him a little bit better this year... I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And Patterson does have the pass catching upside that I would look for, especially if you're in a PPR league. So, Patterson to me just seems like a guy based on his past production. And I think the age thing is being a little overstated. I just think he could be a great flex option this year based on current ADP. And in the same way they did last year, like this offense is going to be reliant on a guy like him to make plays. I mean, they're going to be behind a lot this year, whether it's Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. These are not guys that push the ball down the field a lot. So, I think Patterson's going to get a lot of opportunities later in games when, you know, it might be out of reach, but the fantasy points still count the same. So I really like him this year. I think he's very undervalued. The other guy that I want to highlight here as a running back is a little more of an evaluation play than it is a statistical play. And that's Travis Etienne Jr. out of Clemson. So last year, Etienne missed all of the season due to a leg injury. I just really liked Etienne coming out of the draft. I, I think he's built to succeed as a fantasy running back. He's one of the only running backs outside of the top maybe 10 or 15 guys that I could see absorbing a legitimate three down role within an NFL offense this year. James Robinson is probably the name that most of you are thinking about if you're, if you know the Jags running back room. But, I think Etienne's explosiveness will show through camp and allow him to gain most of the snaps, especially with James Robinson being hurt going into this season. So Etienne is going to have a chance to win this job, and I think he's talented enough where that will not be a problem for him. We saw how effective he was both running the ball and coming out of the backfield at Clemson, and oh yeah, he's also paired up with his Clemson quarterback, which definitely shouldn't shouldn't hurt anything. I mean that that chemistry is likely going to be there, and you know who knows it may not be Burrow and Chase, but it still could be a very effective combination, and I think ETN is just going to be one of the best zero to hundred players in the NFL. I think this is a guy that's going to be able to take a ball that maybe should have been a ten yard gain and make it a fifty yard gain. I think the explosive plays are going to be there with ETN, and with the hiring of Doug Peterson for the Jaguars this year, they should have an offense that plays much more to ex- to their strengths than they did last year the the final stat that i want to highlight with etn as well is that trevor lawrence had by far the highest checkdown rate of any quarterback this year that should bode very well for etn on third downs because he is going to be a guy i think that will get those opportunities to to play in pass catching downs if he doesn't then he's being misutilized and lawrence loves to check it down to his running backs i mean he he was by far the highest checkdown rate there was like a 2% gap between him and second place and after that there's marginal gaps between the next four guys so Lawrence is going to do that a lot and Etienne should be the beneficiary of that uh, on a lot of third downs so Etienne is my second sleeper he's a little bit higher valued than uh, Patterson is so you know you're, you're banking on a guy that has real like top 10 upside here more so than a guy that I think is just undervalued but I really like Etienne coming into this season All right, moving into the wide receivers, and we're halfway there with this episode now. The first wide receiver that I want to highlight is Michael Pittman Jr. Pittman might be the guy outside the top 10 in terms of wide receivers ADP right now that I think has the best chance to end up in the top five. Pittman is the clear wide receiver one for a Colts team with a major upgrade at quarterback that I think is the clear favorite in the AFC South. And there's a lot of data that indicates that usually these top receivers come from the best teams. And that makes sense. The best teams are going to score a lot of points and that's where the, the top wide receivers are going to come from because you have to have, you know, you got to be scoring touchdowns. You got to be racking up the yards. If you're going to be a high, high positioned wide receiver. Pittman had over double the amount of targets per game of any other player on the Colts last season. So he is by far the number one target on this roster. And I don't think that will really change going into next season if anything, it may just be further exaggerated. Paris Campbell is really the only potential wrench that could be thrown into this, because he did get hurt pretty early in the year last year, and he's a guy I think that does have a lot of potential. But they're very different kinds of players still. And Pittman is just this t- this type of a player that fits the wide receiver one mold. He's big bodied. He's a good route runner. He can have he he can succeed with yards after catch as well. So he's definitely the most complete receiver on this roster. And I think his role uh, for these receivers in, you know, the 15 to 20 range is about as certain as it's going to get for a guy. Matt Ryan's also had great experience working with a bigger bodied receiver for all of his career in Atlanta with, you know, Julio Jones. And I'm not saying Michael Pittman is Julio Jones, but Ryan has that experience working with a guy like this. He's going to trust him to throw up jump balls. And we know Matt Ryan has great touch. So I really like Pittman's outlook in this offense he already had a really good year last year with an inferior quarterback last year in Carson Wentz so I think Pittman is going to have a great year and I could easily see him finishing top 10 after this season so this is not a guy that's you know way down the board in ADP he's probably in the 15 to 20 range depending on where you look but I do think he has real upside to finish as one of the best receivers this year. All right, moving in to the other wide receiver sleeper I like, and this is probably my favorite one that we'll talk about today. I just think this guy is being extremely undervalued this year. It's it's almost like it's Michael Pittman, but with like 100 times more value. It's Alan Lazard from the Green Bay Packers. The player with the second most targets in all of football in Devontae Adams is leaving the Packers, and they didn't replace him. There are just so many targets available for a guy that is going to be the number one receiver and it indicates that reports out of Packers camp sound like Rodgers does trust him as that number one option and this is something that we've seen with the Packers before they have done this before with surprise number one receivers this is something they did with James Jones this is something they did with Donald Driver and recently Devontae Adams after two years of his career Devontae Adams was considered to be a bust and I'm not saying Alan Lazard is that type of talent But I'm saying that Green Bay has been able to plug and play guys that we didn't necessarily expect to take on this larger role into an offense that needs somebody to fill the void. And I think Lazard is the best bet of anybody here to take on that role. I am a big fan of Christian Watson from North Dakota State out of the draft this year, but depending on a rookie to come in and immediately become a number one wide receiver on a team that's expecting to win 12, 13 games this year is a big ask. And so maybe if you take Lazard, Christian Watson might be worth a flyer later on as well to ensure that you're trying to get that number one receiver from the Packers this year. But I think Lazard is by far the best bet. And his target share already increased last year as the year went on with Adams still there. And I also think Lazard is just a good receiver. He's big bodied, he's athletic, and he's a good enough blocker to where he's going to stay on the field consistently. He can go up and get a, uh, he can go high point a ball and he's going to be a big body threat in the red zone. So I think touchdowns are going to be plentiful for him this year. And so this is my favorite sleeper. I think he's extremely undervalued because if you think about receivers on the best offenses in the NFL, like think about where a guy like, you know, Tyreek Hill went in Kansas City or a guy like, you know, even Cortland Sutton right now for the Broncos is going like top 20 in ADP because Russell Wilson is there. Someone for the Packers has to catch these passes and it can't only be Aaron Jones out of the backfield. So assuming Rodgers doesn't just fall off a cliff, which I see no reason why we would expect that. I think Alan Lazard is being extremely undervalued as a guy that's not even really been taken in the top 100 of a lot of drafts. So that's a guy that I, I think I would be willing to overdraft him by more than anyone else on this list. Like I I will be trying to be go up like two or three rounds early on this guy uh, in the draft because I just think he's so undervalued right now. All right, moving into the last position here, that's tight ends and probably the most difficult position to find these sleepers in at this point because of how top heavy this position is and the lack of depth is. Uh, it's just so much harder because there's only usually one tight end that really catches passes for a team and at most two. And at that point, they're splitting such a small target share that really neither of them are going to be very valuable. But it's just so much harder to get production from a tight end drafted later on in the draft. But the one guy I do think has a really good chance to do that from a pretty late position this year is David Njoku. He's by far my favorite tight end sleeper this year because once you get past the safer options like Dawson Knox and Mike Gesicki, who are guys that are just outside the top 10 tight ends right now, I think Njoku is a great bet to make because he's no longer splitting time with Austin Hooper, who was also on the Browns last year and has now left Cleveland, and Njoku is coming in healthy to start the year, and that's something that he hasn't been able to do recently. He's always been known as a very physically talented guy, and we know the Browns love to function in heavier sets out of play action with multiple tight ends. So Njoku is going to get opportunities to be on the field often. And, you know, Brissett at quarterback certainly factors in that that's a concern a little bit, but we also know that they're going to be relying on play action and running the ball with Brissett, which might give Njoku more opportunities to make plays as well. If Watson does come back and I mean, with that situation, who knows what's going to happen there. But if he does come back, maybe you get a late season bump, but that doesn't seem likely at this point. But even with Brissette at quarterback, I think after the safer options, it's worth it to take a swing on David Njoku because he is a guy that's talented enough to be in that range with Dawson Knox and Mike Gesicki. And I think the usage could potentially be there for this for him this year if he can stay healthy. So right now, I think he's you know Some rankings have him in the mid-20s. I think his ADP is closer to um, 17, 18. I, I would be willing to take him pretty much after you get outside the top 12 because I just think he's got a higher upside than pretty much everybody else after that. The other tight end that I'm going to highlight here, and this one is a little bit of a easier, simpler pick, but there's not a ton of great tight end options as I previously mentioned, is Albert O oh or Oak. Okuigbom. That was a fun name to say, but he is a tight end out of Missouri. He's a a huge guy and he is filling the void that Noah Fant left because Noah Fant was included in the Russell Wilson trade, which uh, shipped him off to Seattle. And so there is an opportunity now for Albert O., to play in this Denver Broncos offense as the lead tight end. And Russell Wilson is a guy that does trust his tight ends. You know, Gerald Everett is a guy that had a good year. Even guys like Will Disley have been valuable for the Seahawks previously because Wilson does like to target these guys. And so he has an opportunity to get pretty much all the tight end targets this year. And he really is a pass-catching guy, which is, you know, what you're looking for he's a absolutely massive red zone target and so you're going to be able to get t- touchdowns from him probably at a higher rate than most tight ends and he is going to have to be able to capitalize on this new and improved Broncos offense and with Russell Wilson under center that that should be a real shift in, in the ability of the Broncos offense and we'll, we'll see if that translates but M- Wilson is notorious for being able to throw that ball that looks like it's going to touch the moon and if anybody's going to go up and get that, it's going to be Alberto. He's six foot seven. So he, he's been known to, he was known to do that coming out of college and it's translated to the NFL pretty well so far. So I really like that scheme fit with Wilson and Alberto. And the big concern I have with this one specifically is how many good receivers the Broncos have, because I think there's a chance that, you know, there'll be obvious third down passing downs where they're just out there with four receivers. You know, it's it's Cortland Sutton, it's Jerry Judy, it's Tim Patrick, it's KJ Hamler. Like they they're just filling up the field with receivers. I think that's my biggest concern. But because uh, Albert O is more of a pass catching threat, I, I still think he'll be able to find his way on the field in those situations and and make a big impact on this offense. So he's another guy I think can outperform his ADP. He's going a little bit higher. You know, he's closer to maybe sixteen or seventeen, but. I think he definitely has the talent and the, and the touchdown upside to where I think he's worth an investment as we get lower down into the tight ends, because at that point, man, you're, you're just hoping to get anything out of a tight end at that point in the draft when it's just very difficult to find guys that provide value at that point from the tight end position. So those are my eight sleepers. Uh, If you're in a league with me this year, you're not allowed to take any of those guys. All those guys are mine. Um, but yeah, I'm, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if, if they all get hurt, it's not my fault. You, um, you listen to me, but hopefully that advice will help you do well in your leagues this year. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time.